2013, before my family and I moved to Phoenix, we actually lived in Portland for just a, a year. My, my wife and I uh, moved up there with our two little kids to do a residency with a, a church that ultimately brought us to Phoenix. And uh, one of our favorite places to go in the Portland area was Multnomah Falls. I think we have a picture, uh, a blurry one of my family at the bottom of Multnomah Falls. And then uh, that picture from the top is us leaning over the edge and taking that picture of the actual falls. And if you've never been up to the Northwest of that area, it is incredibly beautiful. You have the Columbia River Gorge right there and then Multnomah Falls, but then you have all these small falls all around that area. You can hike up there and you can climb up on a rock and just sit there and watch God's beauty at work. And we would often do that. And uh, that was when we had two little kids, not, not three, and our 11-year-old son was one year old. And we had just moved to Portland, and that's a pretty steep hike. There's a lot of switchbacks up Multnomah Falls. And so uh, if you can picture this, I had my son Ashwin just over my shoulder the entire hike. And so uh, there was some intense pain as well as some intense beauty, if you know what I'm saying, parents. And uh, that meant we loved going to that place. It was so beautiful. And that was in 2013. Fast forward to 2017, there was a massive wildfire, and that's the next pick, that, that took out the Columbia River Gorge that, that, that spread over across the street to Multnomah Falls, to a lot of those falls, to a lot of those trails in that area. It was on the national news. Some of you probably remember this, and it drastically affected that entire area in multiple, multiple ways. Hikers were stuck for a couple days. 400 homes had to be evacuated. At the end of the day, there was about $36 million worth of damage. And it was never the same. I know I have friends in Portland. They, they say, you know, it's, it's going back. There's vegetation now. People have gone back to hike and, and everything like that. But it's, it's not quite the same. Now, how, how did that massive, devastating fire start by a little boy in a little moment. See, a 15-year-old boy was playing around with fireworks, and he threw one in the ravine, and he caused all of that, $36 million worth of damage. The amazing thing to me was I read in just an article this week that nine months later, some of the forest was still smoldering. 15-year-old boy through a firework in the ravine. That little boy in a little moment caused a massive disaster. Now, why do I tell you that? Because that's actually what the Bible tells us. James chapter three specifically tells us that, that, that our words are like that. That our words, although they're just a little bitty spark, they can set a whole fire ablaze, a whole forest ablaze. But that's the way our, our words work. And listen, I, I think that this lie of, of words will never hurt me, like, you know, the, the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? I, I'm convinced at this point in my life that, that uh, there's either one or two ways that statement came about. One way was, uh, you know, it was just wishful thinking and somebody was just trying to cope with the words that had hurt them, you know, and just convincing themselves like words will never hurt me. Words will never hurt me. Write it a hundred times on the whiteboard. 
and then it'll be true. It was either that or it was somebody who wanted a license to be careless and hurtful with their words. So they made up this viral statement right, to give them an excuse. Eh, don't you know the adage? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but my words will never hurt you. So I can say whatever I want. Right? Because I, I can't imagine that someone actually thought that words will never hurt them. Because the reality is in this room, we all know how damaging words can be. Some of you this morning have not recovered from the words your father said to you when you were a kid. Some of you this morning have not recovered from the words your father didn't say to you when you were a kid. And every time we talk about, you know, God, what is he in scripture? He's father. You start to cringe. You start to get anxious. Why? Just words. I mean, there weren't sticks and stones. They didn't, are you, do you have any bruises? Like break your bones? No, no, no. But your heart is deeply wounded because of words. Right? On the flip side, some of you, 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 you know, words I mean, I've changed the, the trajectory of your entire life. Words like, I do. Words like, it's a boy or it's a girl. I remember we had our first daughter and we got the sonogram back and we went away to look at it by ourselves. And, and it's like, it's a girl. And I just froze for like 10 minutes. My wife was like grabbing me by the hand, I think to check my pulse. And I just, all I could see was prom and, and her wedding day, like when she was 25 or 45, you know, whatever God has for her. And it was just, it, it was just three words. It's a girl. Why, why is that such a big deal? Changed my life. So, man, all of us in here know that it's a lie. Words can hurt you. Also, words can give life. And here's the reality is we talk about how to navigate healthy relationships, your marriage, your friendships, your, your relationships within the body of Christ. They are going to come down to whether they flourish or fail is going to come down to your words. It just is. They matter greatly. And so we're going to look at God's words to inform and affect our Words. So we're going to be in James chapter three. Grab that Bible as I asked you to earlier. We're going to hear from James on our words. And he's a good person to listen to on our words. As you look at the book of James, he mentions words more than any other New Testament author. Every single chapter. He talks about the tongue or he talks about words. Uh, James is, is typically called the New, Te New Testament Proverbs. And many of you know the Proverbs talk about words all the time. So does James. And so we're going to look at what he has to say about words and how that affects our relationship. So James chapter three, verses one through 12, look at it with me. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They, though, though they are large and also and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire 
a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness or image of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Here's our first point if you take notes. Words have weight. Words have weight. Uh, If you notice verse one, look at that verse with me. James starts out with the weight of words in particular as it applies to teachers. He says, they will be judged with greater strictness. Uh, James makes it personal. He says, we who teach. James was a a pastor in the church in Jerusalem. And so he spoke a lot of words from a platform. He was a teacher. He knew other teachers. And he says, hey, you're gonna be judged with greater strictness just by the simple fact that you speak a lot of words as a teacher, but specifically teachers in this context and teachers like me today, we're speaking about words about the words of God. So so that words have weight and James felt that. And you need to know as your pastor, I feel that. Early on in in ministry, as I started preaching, I I would manuscript word for word every sermon. And if you're not sure what that means, I mean, I would basically write a long paper that I would present to uh, some family and friends, but also a bunch of strangers every single Sunday, right? And the reason I would write that out word for word, especially early on, I do a little bit more shorthand now, but I still write out quite a bit is because I feel the weight of words, is because I know this is the word of God and my words need to reflect his words. And now especially, I mean, we, we have like a great online presence. If you don't watch our sermons on YouTube, you should go do that. Listen on Spotify, iTunes, share it with other people. And man, I, I love all of that while simultaneously, I hate all of that. Because so many people have my words in a vacuum without relationship and they don't know me and they don't know the intent by my word, of my words. And I'm just gonna clue you into something if you haven't figured it out yet. Sometimes I make mistakes with my words and they're on YouTube <laughs> and that drives me crazy, right? Um, and sometimes I have to clarify and sometimes I have to apologize for my words. And so I, I feel what James is feeling as a preacher, the weight of words. But, but here's the deal, in case anybody just wants to point the finger at your pastor, this is on you too, okay? Like it is, James is gonna get into it, but I would say what is also unique about 2023 is that not only teachers have a platform for their words, every single human on the planet has a platform for their words and it's called social media, Everybody's reading your words as if you were a teacher. Like you're, you're proclaiming things about politicians. Do you know everything about the politicians? Probably not, but you can tweet about it in five seconds with your thumbs. 
You're, you're proclaiming things like your thought for the day or an experience you had. And, and you realize, like, I don't know if you realize this. If you're an employer, I know you realize this. Do you know the first thing employers check when they're hiring people? Your words on social media. <laughs> and they're, they're looking and they're stalking you to see what's this person really about? You know what? I, how I can tell? I can tell from their their words, and you're influencing people. Everybody, we use that word, influencer. Everybody's influencing people like a teacher on a stage, except you're doing it with your thumbs in your living room or your mom's basement. I don't know. And so this, is, this applies to all of us. Like words have, have weight. Now look at verse one through five, just the descriptive language James uses about our language. He says the greater strictness we just mentioned. He also says affecting whole bodies, so large, great things. How great. If you pull back a little bit, go back to James chapter one. James says it this way. If you don't keep a tight ring on your tongue, your whole religion is worthless. If you pull back even further to the beginning, to creation, to the New Testament, to the incarnation, Really, it centers on on words. How did God create the whole universe? The power of his words. How does John, the gospel writer John, how does he describe the incarnation? God coming to the earth, the word became flesh. So here's the reality over the top of relationships, over the top of our, our lives is that words have weight. And my question for us is, do they for us? They have weight to God. Do they have weight for us? Do you think about what you say? Do you consider what you post? I, I did some math this week with the help of my amazing assistant, Michelle Tedhams. Give her a hand. Yeah. We, we looked at this uh, and it, typically on average, uh, we speak about 16,000 words a day. Uh, that's like 5.8 million words a year. And just some further math, if you were to put those words just from that year into a book, it would fill about 50 to 60 books, depending on how many pages were in the books, maybe like 400 to 800 pages each book. Because some of y'all talk more than others. Amen? That's just in a year, 50 to 60 books. Imagine over the course of a lifetime. And so we need to be asking, listen, what stories are we telling with our words? Because you're writing some stories. Every time you speak, you're like, I'm not an author, Tim. I would never do that. You're you're, you're speaking, you're writing some books with your words and what you post. There's a cumulative aggregate effect of those. And what story are you telling with your words? Is it one of destruction or one of encouragement? Is it one of hurt or or one of healing? Is it one of idolatry or one of worship? Is it one of death or is it one of life? What, What story are we telling with our words? They have weight and they have weight in your marriage and they have weight in your friendships and they have weight within our church relationships. And we need to give them the weight God gives them. And oftentimes we don't. Oftentimes we don't. Words have weight. Words can wound or wind. Words can wound or wind. That's our second point. Go back to verse six and look at that with me. 
It says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Tell us how you really feel, James, right? I mean, as I, as I read this, I thought, is James sitting by a fire while he's writing this? Like why so many references to, to fire? But then he mixes it up in verse eight and talks about your tongue being like a, a full of deadly poison, right? So it's not just fire, it's also deadly poison. Oh, that's a lot better, James, right? He, he's telling us like our words can cause deep wounds. Verse nine, we can bless or curse. I think that's so interesting. Bless, he doesn't just say bless or like speak unkind things. Bless or not be nice. He says, bless or curse, condemn someone. That, that our words can cause deep wounds. We see the same thing in Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. See, sometimes what we think is gonna derail our relationships, our relationships at work, our relationships at home, our, our marriage, our friendships. Sometimes we think, What's gonna derail those relationships is that big event, right? That, that moment of adultery where you, you fall into temptation and you commit adultery. And, and some of you think about this and you're like, man, if I did that, like my marriage would be over and I'm gonna do everything I can to run hard away from adultery. And as long as I don't commit adultery, then my marriage is gonna be good. And some of us, we think, man, as long as, I like, as long as I don't have like a big financial scandal, I mean, as long as I try my best to do my taxes and have somebody else do them probably, then as long as I stay away from some big like Enron financial scandal, like my relationships at work are probably gonna be okay. I think I'll be in the clear. As long as I don't do something crazy, like rob a bank or maybe like, abuse somebody with my hands and lose it on them, then I'll be okay in my relationships. And what James is gonna say is, no, 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 no. The cumulative aggregate effect of just the words that you speak, they can bring death. And maybe not physical death, but relational death. And maybe not just because you yelled one big thing and that ended your marriage or it ended that friendship, but maybe the cumulative aggregate effect of a critical spirit, of a complaining word, of a gossiping word, of a verbally abusive word, that over time that can kill. Listen, we're, we're in a church. I think we all know this to some extent, like how do churches die? Most churches, at least in the United States of America, they, they don't die from the outside, they die from the inside. They, they don't die because of persecution against the church. They don't die because of protesters marching outside and around the church. They don't die because of a policy from the government. They die because of words spoken from within. And maybe it's not like on a Sunday morning, like we're in here today and, and somebody runs in this room and, and they're like, this church needs to die. And then next week, our, I guess our church is dead. I don't know. Like, is that how it happens? No, it's like over the course of 10 years. Like, what, whatever happened to that church? Well, over the course of 10 years, I mean, there was this one pastor who was spiritually abusive with his words. 
And they turned over all these staff members and just over time, that church, man, it just, it died. Or it's, you know, over time, I mean, that, that church at one point, at one point they were focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. At one point, they didn't care if they sang Hillsong or hymns. As long as they were singing about going from death to life in Jesus' name, when they were singing, they were raising their hands and they were on fire for the Lord. At one point, that church wasn't consumed with themselves and they weren't consumers at all. In fact, they were missionaries and they would come in the church and they would learn about God's word and how he saved them and how that same light in the midst of their darkness could light up the darkness of their city. And they were ambassadors for Christ going out into the city and into the world to proclaim him in word or deed. At one point, that church was like that. But then they lost their way. And they did start to have a critical spirit, just like just little things after a service. Hey, do you notice how, how loud the music was today? Anybody hear that? Did you notice that, that one song, like that, that hymn, we did it a little bit different way? I don't, I don't really like that. Did you notice like the color of the carpet? I mean, it just clashes with my outfit. Some of y'all say some crazy stuff, man. Hey, did you notice like, why is that guy on stage? Like, have you seen, like, I've heard about him. Hey, like, why do we do this? Why do we, shouldn't we do this thing over here? And just, man, you, don't try it here, but because we've seen it already. So don't try it. I was going to say, try it, see how that happens. Like, don't try it, please. <laughs> we, we've already seen it. You don't need to try it. We've seen churches die. How do they die? Because of words spoken from within, the cumulative aggregate effect of your words. They'll kill relationships. They'll kill churches because churches are people and relationships. Right? So here, here's just a few a- examples now that we're all convicted, everybody take a deep breath, okay? Just calm down. Here, here's a few examples, because I, I, I don't think anybody wants that, right? As we hear all that, you're like, well, I kind of do that, Tim, but I'm not trying to kill a church. I mean, I love our church. I, I'm not trying to kill my marriage. I'm not trying to kill French. I, I know you're probably not trying to do that. And so we need to know how specifically, practically can words wound? Here's just a few ways. Uh, you be an expert in the weaknesses of others. You don't assume the best. You always assume the worst and you do so with your words. You share rumors or maybe you call them prayer requests. And instead of gossip, you you just mask it with, well, I just want to pray for my brother or sister over here who's struggling with lust. Did you know? And this is how... This is how words can wound. And I, I, none of us want that, right? So, so we need to be watching. Are any of these tracking with you? We wrap up harsh comments with just kidding. You, you go on a rant for five minutes or you tear somebody down or use a lot of sarcasm. And then they're like, you start to see their face like start to change. And they're kind of like, I don't really like, this is not helpful for me. And you're like, oh, it's okay, bro. I'm just joking with you. Just jokes. And you just had like the freedom to say whatever hurtful comment and inflict wounds on that person for five minutes just because you tagged it with, I'm just kidding with you. 
I remember when we first started the church, there was an interesting situation with another pastor that, that I thought was kind of a friend and he was texting somebody else on my, my staff and was saying things like, hey, hey, maybe we just kind of give this a run and maybe Tim will go back to Texas and, and we'll see what happens. And, and the guy that was on my staff showed me the text messages and he was like, hey man, I don't really know what to do with this. And I saw all these text messages that were honestly very hurtful. But at the end, he put a smiley face emoji. And listen, I mean, just this kind of stuff happens, right? In the church, there's conflict, there's words that we use that we don't intend to. And so later this pastor apologized and we reconciled. Amen, it was great. But, but before we got there, he said, well, didn't you see my, I was like, how could you say all these things? And he said, well, didn't you see the smiling face emoji at the end? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like some of us do this with our words. Don't. <laughs> Don't, don't just criticize people and wrap it in, it's just jokes. Blanket statements. Uh, these are the things I mentioned last, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, our first couple years of marriage for my wife and I were, were just really hard. And we fought a lot, standing up, sitting down, crying, not saying anything, which was kind of the worst. And primarily what would escalate those conflicts was these blanket statements of, you always do this or you never do this. And all of a sudden, we're not talking about a towel on the floor. We're talking about insults to our character. And that would take a long time. And that would have a lot of ripple domino effect of wounds in our, our marriage. I, I think one of the biggest ones, the last one I have here is not listening to words is the way we can wound others. Uh, I remember my wife and I went up to Flagstaff uh, uh, to a cabin that a mentor of mine owns. And we just spent the, the weekend with him and just dialoguing. It was an amazing weekend uh, with him and his wife, older saint who's invested a lot in me and they've invested a lot in us. And as we were coming home from that trip and I'm just in a great mood and my wife turns to me and she says, hey, did you notice the way Rick listened to Emily? And I was like, no, tell me about it. <laughs> And she says, uh, I mean, just every time she would talk, I mean, just his whole body would turn and shift towards her and he would listen with his full face. Did you notice that? And then that, that clue phone was ringing loud. <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, like, I, yes, I struggle with that. I'm so sorry. And like, I need to do a better job of listening with my face. A lot of times it's the words you speak at the wrong time when you're trying to solve the problem, primarily men and husbands, come on, that, that can inflict wounds. Like they want you to listen, but you're, you, instead of listening to understand, you're listening to respond. And you're thinking of all the, the great one-liners that you're gonna come up with and all the solutions and you're not actually listening. And that's hurtful. It's when you're looking at your phone, when your kids are talking to you and they're like five minutes in, they're like, and you're like, uh-huh, right, yes. And they're like, so we can go to Disney World? And you're like, wait, no, 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 no. Dad, were you listening? Right, and that, that, that hurts our kids. And they, they forgive us, right? But that, that cumulative aggregate effect, I mean, they just start to think, well, my parents, I'm not the most important thing to them. They, they got a phone to keep track of. And that can wound even our, our kids and our friendships. So these are a few ways our words can wound. Uh, but what we also know is our words can bring life. Some of you are like, 
please, Tim, give us some life. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart can weigh him down, but a good word can make him glad. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. All right, we, we know this, right? Uh, I've told you guys recently about my dad. He's on this journey with, with cancer. And just recently, we got some encouraging, uplifting words about my dad's cancer. Uh, they sent us a text. He had a PET scan. He's doing chemotherapy, already had surgery. And uh, they sent us a text and just said this. They said, we did the PET scan and there's no cancer anywhere. Yeah. And those... Those words, we hadn't even spoken on the phone yet, but those words, just to read them in the text, I mean, they just, they lifted us. They, they made us glad. They, they made my, my parents glad and motivated. Like, we, we can do this. We can keep going. It's been a long journey, but we can, can do this. And many of you know, like those, those words that are spoken in a, in a specific time that are encouraging, that are life-giving. I remember, again, when we started the church, it was in some difficult, uncomfortable circumstances. Some would say some improbable circumstances. I did not know if we should do it or not. I thought maybe there's somebody else who should do it. And he could probably do it, but not this guy. And I remember I was complaining about that and sort of whining about that to one of my mentors at the time. And he just said to me, yeah, Tim, God didn't bring any other guy. He brought you. And I think he may have given you some resilient spirit that you can do hard things to redeem this time. And God put you there exactly for this, for such a time as as this. And that was nine years ago. And listen, I think about those words every single week. I think about them for sure when things are hard and I'm reminded, no, God put me here. God has a plan. And it was spoken through words of a friend, of a mentor. And some of you, your whole career, your whole life, your whole marriage has been changed by uplifting words, words that bring life, not death. But this is a battle, right? I mean, this, this is a, a tug of war in our hearts and in our lives every day. The culture we live in often speaks words that wound. It often doesn't just speak them, it celebrates them. I, I was thinking about it this way, like all the shows on TV, they get canceled all the time. All the shows on Netflix that have that one great season that was teeing you up for a next season. And some of you know this, you're like, there's not gonna be a season two, we've canceled that show. And you're like, God, Why? All the shows that have been canceled, I mean, they're canceled right and and left. And yet, you know the one show that's still going strong all these years later? TMZ. It's doing great. I don't ever hear about it being canceled ever (laughs) because they're using slanderous and gossiping words and people love that and people will watch that. I think about all the ways our culture has changed and progressed and, and gone so much more digital right? Everything's digital and everything's changed in the grocery store. Like you can pay just by tapping your card on the the little panel, right? Everything has changed, but guess what hasn't changed? There's still magazines at the checkout aisle. You ever think about this? They're, They're still talking, they still got the headlines talking about the latest celebrity news and gossip. Why? Because it sells, because that's never changed because in the fabric of our culture is this speaking wounds with our words. This is a battle. So how do we speak life, not death in this culture, in our relationships? I'm gonna give you three things. 
You can write these down, super practical. Three questions to ask. The first one, as you speak words, you need to ask, is it true? Is it true? Proverbs 14 says it this way, a truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. Uh, Matthew 18 and Galatians 6 specifically talk about when someone else is struggling with a sin, that you should come alongside them side them, and you should confront them. You should speak truth into their lives. Uh, one of my, my greatest uh, laments as a pastor is when I, and I know and I hear about somebody who's in the midst of sin and it's not going well, it's hurting them, it's hurting their marriage. They seem to be heading for divorce or someone's just not doing well in their friendships. And there is that kind of gossipy, critical spirit that's just bringing everybody down a notch. And at some point, somebody will come to me and share it with me. And I'll ask them like, Man, have you talked to them? I know you're so concerned about this. Have you talked to them? And they'll say, oh, no. <laughs> Well, why not? Well, I could be awkward. Or like, well, I don't know if I'm the person who should do that. Listen, a true friend speaks the truth. Amen? A true friend speaks the truth. And they, they always do that, even if it's uncomfortable. And the reality is a lot of times we say we don't want to do that because it's out of love for them. It's not. It's out of love for us. Right? We don't want to look like we're judging them. And so we don't speak the truth. But Scripture over and over is going to say a true friend speaks the truth truth. The second question you need to ask is not just, is it true, but is it time? I love this. Proverbs 27, 14. It says, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Like some of y'all, you literally, you speak the truth. You got that one down, but you literally do it like at six o'clock in the morning over text. And that's not the right time, right? People are just now waking up. And it comes across as a cursing, even if you meant it it well. You need to be asking, is it the right time? Uh, As a pastor who does funerals, I mean, I see so many times people walk up at a funeral and say, hey, it's going to be okay. God works everything together for good. I know you lost your son. I know you lost your spouse. But you know, right, God's going to work it all together for good. Listen, not the right time for that. Is that true? Yes, not the right time. A funeral is a time for mourning, not advice. It's not the right time. It's the time for a ministry of presence. Like, talk to them later about that, but not right now. Is it true? Is it time? This is a way you can speak life into other people, not death. Uh, the third question is, is it tender? Is it true? Is it time? Is it, is it tender? Some of you, as you think about like, is it true? And you hear like, yeah, you should always speak truth. And Matthew 18 and Galatians 6, a true friend speaks the truth. And some of you are like writing down names and things you're going to tell people. You're like, you are dumb. You are annoying. Like you get on my nerves. No, no, no. Is it tender? Like Galatians 6 Matthew 18, confront people, speak the truth to them. But how do you do it? Both of them say the same word. You do it gently. Ephesians, you speak the truth in love. Is it true? Is it time? Is it tender? These are practical questions you can ask to to think about how you can speak life, not death, in your relationships, with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends. Is it true? Is it time? Is it tender? Here's the last thing we'll close. Words are a window into your heart. 
words are a window into your heart. Verses nine through 12, James says out of the same mouth, you bless God, you curse people. He says it shouldn't be. He says you can't treasure God, but also trash people. You can't say you love Jesus, but you hate the church. You can't say you love God, but speak ill of everybody around you. Like have great devotional time and have great personal worship unto God, but be a jerk for Jesus to everybody else. That does not work, right? And why does it not work? Because words, the words you speak out of your mouth are a window into your heart. They reveal what's going on in your heart. And James, this masterful illustrator, he gives us three illustrations of that, a spring, a tree, a pond. They're all showing us that our words, it's, it's not true that they can't hurt us. It's not true to say, I didn't mean that. And that's a fallacy at best. Like, that's a lie. The things you say reveal your heart. Jesus, James' older brother, he said the same thing, right? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we try to disconnect these two all the time. Even right now, some of you are thinking, okay, Tim, I need to work on my words with my wife. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home. I got some homework now. I'm gonna work. Is it true? Is it, is it time? Is it tender? But put that up on our whiteboard, up on our fridge. I got this. And, and all of you or some of you are thinking about the words you say and behavior modification. That's not enough. It's not gonna do it, James says. You need a heart transformation. Because your words that you speak with your mouth are coming out of the overflow of your, your heart. And as we speak words that are unkind and that wound and that are critical or that are complaining, we need to ask, what is going on in my heart that is coming out of my mouth that way? Because your heart is a spring. It's pushing something out. Some of us, the best question we can ask today, the best statement we can pray today is Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart start to please you, O God. And that's where it changes because your words are a window into your heart. The things you say to your, to your wife, the things you say to your husband, the things that you don't say the things that you, you, you should be listening, but you're speaking anyway that are causing hurt. Those are revealing things in your heart. So today, the, the point of this sermon, like everybody take a deep breath. The point of this sermon is not just stop cussing or be a little bit nicer. But we talked about it earlier. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, for all of your words that have wounded people. He died for them. He rose again in victory over them. And he gives you the opportunity, not just to have new words, but to have a new heart, to take your heart of stone and turn it into a soft heart of flesh that only Jesus Christ can do that. Amen? And so we need to surrender our words, yes, to God, but we need to surrender our hearts to God and ask him to align our hearts with his, to give us his heart for people and that we might speak to people the way he speaks to us. And that might bring life, not death. And that might not kill a church, but that might multiply a church. And that might not bring a burden on a family, but that might be a blessing to a family that continues for generations. And that, listen, some of y'all today, like the words that your dad didn't speak to you or he did speak to you, that you can change that. You can be a new link and a new chain by the words that you speak with the heart of God behind them. 
powerful. It can give life. That's what I want for your relationships. More importantly, that's what God wants. And so we need to ask him, change our hearts. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take communion today. We're gonna ask God to, to change our hearts in light of what he accomplished for us, that he paid the price for all of your sins, for all of your words that have wounded and caused death. Jesus Christ took all of those on the cross for you. He can heal your words. He can heal your heart. He can heal your relationships because of that. And so we're gonna have our ushers come forward. I'm gonna pray, take the elements, hold them. We'll come back and take communion together. But while you're sitting there, I know we have some people moving around. This is really important. While you're sitting there, take the elements, pray. Use your words to talk to God. Use your ears to listen to God. Think about somebody you need to go speak life over today, not next week, not maybe if I get to it today. Think about somebody you need to apologize to with your words today, to give them life today. Ask God to change your heart today. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word about our words. God, thank you for the ways that you, you don't leave us in this battle alone. God, you do through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the resurrection, through your spirit, regenerating our heart, making us new. God, we have the potential not to speak death, but to instead to speak life with our words. And God, I pray as we take communion now that the people in this room that have put their trust in the cross and resurrection of Jesus. God, as we take communion, we would consider once again, the new heart that you have given us in Christ. And that would inform and affect every word that we speak. And God, I do pray for the people in this room who haven't put their trust in Jesus, that they wouldn't take the elements, but instead they would take this time to give their words and their life and their heart to you. And that you bring forgiveness and healing and renewal and relationships and words. God, you change lives. And they would take this moment to do that. And all of us would consider our words in light of your words. God, change our hearts for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.